I am absolutely honored today to share this episode with you where I had the pleasure of interviewing Jessica Jansen. She is pretty much a local celebrity here in the Calgary area, and I have loved seeing her speak at events in the past. And so I knew that I had to go and ask her to be on the podcast, and I'm so grateful that she said yes. And to let you know a little bit about Jessica, she's a speaker, coach, author, and philanthropist, a wife, mother of three, forward thinker, and live wire. She's an advocate for mental health, rare disease, and all things joy. And she is truly an empowering person to listen to. And this conversation was so incredible. In 2017, Jessica and her husband, Hot Ronnie, as she calls them, they started the Love for Lewiston Foundation after they lost their son to spinal muscular atrophy at just shy of six months old. So I'm going to be honest, you might want to get your tissues out for this conversation because it's been an incredible journey that she's gone through in her life of loss and grief and sharing the perspective shift and how she has transformed that experience into truly living life to the fullest and as she says bringing the joy so i hope that you love this episode and if you do please feel free to connect with jessica all of her links are in the show notes and information about the love for lewiston foundation is also there for you This is the Entrepreneur School Podcast, where we believe you can run a thriving business and still make your family a priority. This show is all about supporting you, the emerging or early stage entrepreneur on your journey from solopreneur to CEO while wearing all of the other hats in your life. My name is Kelly Sinclair, and I'm a brand and marketing strategist who started a business with two kids under three. I'm a corporate PR girl turned entrepreneur after I learned the hard way that life is too short to waste doing things that burn you out. On this show, you'll hear inspiring stories from other business owners on their journey and learn strategies to help you grow a profitable business while making it all fit into the life that you want. Welcome to Entrepreneur School. Hey, Jessica, I am so excited to have you on Entrepreneur School today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. This is the Bring the Joy author of the book, Bring the Joy. And I have to tell you, I've seen you speak now a couple times in person and definitely it just, you just get right to the heart with everybody. So I would love if you could literally just start off by sharing your story about how you got to where you are, why you're here, why you're a speaker, why I've seen you in such a in an inspirational, motivational position a couple of times. And I think that our listeners will really connect with your story. So I'm so excited that you can share it here today. No, thanks, Kelly, so much for having me. I'm excited to share. Always, I feel a privilege and a blessing to be able to use my platform and to connect with other women in business and share kind of some of my struggles and heartache. I'm known for keeping it real and being very vulnerable and sharing the good, bad and the real ugly And so I was in the corporate world many moons ago, and I loved what I did. I loved leading teams. I loved driving for success. And then I was at a job that I absolutely hated, and I was about to turn 30. 
and I handed in my resignation one morning. I walked in. I was like, I turned 30 in four days and I do not want this to be my life. I hate waking up. I like I dread coming in. I like want to hide under the sheets. This is just not a good place to be. So I quit my job. No plan, no savings, like no nothing. We're living paycheck to paycheck. And I start a kind of a consulting business to help other business owners kind of get their businesses off, look strategically at what they're doing. Long story short, I get pregnant shortly after that happens. Uh, have my first daughter. Amazing. You know, doctors were told told our family that we wouldn't be able to have kids most likely. Mm-hmm. And they were very incorrect, which is such a blessing for us. I After our daughter was born a few months later, we got pregnant again. We weren't really trying you know, you're just in like pure motherhood chaos. And my husband's like, you're breastfeeding, so you shouldn't get pregnant. We get pregnant with our our second little guy. And so my husband's also in small business. We're in the restaurant industry. Shout out to Chachi's, Hula, DeVille, and Dirt Belly and Analog. Those are our concepts. And so he's in the thick of growing his, you know, business. We're in the trenches. We're, you know, two kids, 13 months apart. And we go to Winnipeg on a family holiday. My husband spends the week there, heads back home to Calgary. I stay there. And our little guy, I wanted to take him into the Cairo to get, you know, alignment checked because he was really colicky. And the Cairo took one look at him and sent us straight to the Children's Emerge in Winnipeg. We spent six days there. My husband flew back out literally hours after he got back to Calgary. And our whole world blew up. This was in 2016. We spent six days in Winnipeg, no answers, no certainty, no clarity. Had our file transferred to Alberta Children's Hospital, fly home, meet our doctor, get told to go back to Alberta Children's, go to Children's, think we're just going to have a checkup, and we end up getting admitted. And we got admitted at the very beginning of August, and on August 5th, a pediatric neurologist, Dr. Jean Ma, comes in and delivers the news that our second-born, Lewis and James Olstad, had a rare genetic disease called spinal muscular atrophy. And at the time, there's no cure, no treatment. Uh, She said, you know, I'm really sorry, but we don't think he'll make his first birthday. And on top of it, um, there's nothing we can do other to make him comfortable. And so you're handed like the biggest blow of your life as a parent. And basically, you're handed a death sentence saying like you have a ticking time bomb. And we're not exactly sure when it's going to blow up, but it'll be less than 365 days. And so we fought really hard and um, the news crushed us. But through that, I knew that we had some choices, really, really hard choices. And I think this comes back to an incredible upbringing um, from my my parents and from my husband's parents. I think it uh, has a lot to do with my husband's resiliency. He's overcome a major um, drug overdose and some crazy stuff in his past. And so we're a pretty resilient group. We're, you know, hardworking, rope your sleeves. And so we just made a pact and said, this will make us or break us. We're going to let it make us. And if this was me in that hospital bed, I wouldn't want it to be a pity party. And so we rallied together and we put out a call to our community. And at the time I was a spin instructor. I was still teaching fitness after having kids and during pregnancy and all of that. And so I had like 1,500 followers on social media, which was like kind of a big deal in 2016. (laughs) And we put out this call um, of action to be like, hey, this is what we're walking through and we're going to need help. And that very quickly launched what my mom coined as the love for Lewis and crew. And so people would bring us meals and help us with yard work and do all of these things. And we asked people to help us bring the joy to our son's life. You know, I think 
we got this reminder of like your kids dying. And the reality is, is we're all dying. We had the blessing of knowing that it was going to be in less than 365 days. And when you get a terminal diagnosis, you change how you live. I think it's the exact thing of Tim McGraw's on like live like you were dying. I think if we all really live life like that, like you send the scary email, you do the scary thing, the thing that you're going to claim to do, you show up and you know, when your kid asks you to play, even though you're tired and you just want to sit in the couch or, you know, you are washing the dishes, you just tend to really enjoy those things and embrace them more. And so we really stepped into living like that. The doctors were right. And uh, Lewiston passed away a few days shy of his six month birthday in November 2016, after the most incredible, phenomenal world class care at Alberta Children's Hospital. I cannot say and sing enough praises to the foundation, to the doctors, the nurses, the caretakers, like everybody, every single role, the unit clerks, the, you know, the managers behind the scenes that we had single-handedly what I would call a world-class experience um, in death. And so we felt so loved and supported. And so unfortunately, Lewiston did pass from spinal muscular atrophy with there not being a cure and a treatment at the time. He was the first child in Alberta to access a drug that was in clinical trials, but it was just too late. He had deteriorated really quickly. Spinal muscular atrophy robs the body of movement and he couldn't, you know, move his legs and it takes muscle and strength to be able to breathe, to be able to swallow, to be able to clear your throat. Like the simple, like you have a little plug in your throat, you know, or blow your nose. That all takes muscle strength. And anyone living with spinal muscular atrophy is robbed of that movement, essentially to the point where they can't breathe and they can't swallow, they can't eat. And so it was a wild journey, but we felt so cared for and so loved. And so when it was Lewiston's actual first birthday, we just turned what would have been a pity party for most into a dance party. And I just wanted to give back to the hospital because they were so good to our family. Like I cannot say enough good things. And they were so good to us. And so the goal was to raise $10,000. I always tell people this from stage. I said, my goal is to be able to be one day the person that can stroke the check for 10 grand and not have it like, and not even blink and just be like, hey, you need money for an incredible cause. I got you. Um, I'm far from that right now, but I'm calling my shot so that it's going to happen. But I was like, okay, I can't write the check. (laughs) We're just, you know, small business owners. You're still making it. You're grinding it out. I said, but what can we do? And so we said, we can host a party. And we'll have a dance party and we'll auction things off. I threw my husband in a Speedo. We threw some <laughs> Speedo and we did this incredible party. We we were smushed in there like sardines, like for sure over capacity. And we ended up raising 42 grand in one night. And so we became an official society, a nonprofit. And eventually years later, we became a registered Canadian charity. And since Lewiston's passing, his legacy is now over $2 million that we've poured into Alberta Children's Hospital and to families coast to coast across Canada, as well as critical research. We were instrumental in helping with newborn screening. So now no baby born in Canada. I think they just announced Quebec, but um, Alberta was one of the very first provinces to come on board to screen all children. And the great news is there's not one, there's not two, but there's three treatments for children born with spinal muscular atrophy. So the landscape has changed. It's totally crazy. There's so much behind it, but that's like the cold notes version of our journey wrapped up into one. And that's led me to where I am today, which was like 1500 Instagram followers like, hey, we need help. 
our kids dying. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. Quit my job. No, like I, I've always wa- wanted to have my own business to where I'm now, where I'm a speaker and author and a business coach. And I help women, you know, access their power and become the best versions of themselves to accomplish the big goals and dreams that they have, because I've been able to do that in my life. And I'm still a work in progress in a total hot mess some days, but I do know a lot of tools and strategies that totally changed. And that was in losing Lewiston that taught me to show up better, taught my husband. And so we tell people that losing Lewiston was the best thing that happened to us. And that is a perspective shift and something that helped me step in and thrive every day. Okay. So that's like a lot, obviously. um, You very obviously have recited this story so many times. And I just want to acknowledge so many things there. One, the amazing work that you've done to actually make a measurable impact on this treatment and screening and things that did not exist in our healthcare system. And as somebody who lives in the same province and the same country as you, I appreciate that so, so much. And that's just amazing that you were able to so quickly even turn your perspective from you know, the bad news to the how we're going to live every day. And I just want to acknowledge you for that. That's like, you, you, you know, that it's hard. Everyone listening knows that it's hard. And you just brushed over how hard it really was to actually go through and walked through that. I have not the same story, but a similar experience in that I lost my mom to cancer seven years ago. And I think this is why I like connected so much when I heard the first time from stage, because you put yourself back into your own experience of your hospital room, what I saw, how I felt all of it. And then the same, the perspective shift afterwards that I think is, it's true that life is short is a, is a cliche, right? And that people don't really understand what that means until they experience it. And I just really love the way that you stepped into it, especially in the moment when you were dealing with the, when is the end? Mm -hmm. It was a a wild, wild journey. And it's easy now, you know, with the 20,000 foot perspective to see, oh yeah. And then, you know, there are those moments where you're like, I just want to shrivel up and die. I don't want to go on another day. Like, how is this my life? So I hope whoever's on the other side of this, like, yes, I can. I mean, I, for a living, I share this story from a stage. I make it relatable. So some days are really easy for me to navigate the story. And other days, like it rips me to shreds. And, you know, we were just on um, adult family vacation. We were on a trip with our kids. It is not a vacation. <laughs> you were like going guns a blazing. But we were on a trip with our kids at my husband's grandma's cabin. And any person that had three kids, man, I was so pissed. I was just like, F you, why did they get their three babies like in their arms at the beach? And so I still to this day wrestle with, you know, certain aspects of loss and of the heartache and of the grief. And I don't know why, like if you're a mom of three walking around with your three kids right now, I want to punch you in the face. So beware, maybe keep a 10 foot radius from me. I've never punched anyone in the face to be very clear. But like that, that's what I'm processing. And and there's definitely those bits and pieces of it that, you know, ebb and flow, as I know, you know, with your mom, like we lost my husband's dad and I, all of a sudden that hit me, you're just grieving. You're like, oh man, he doesn't get to grow up and see our kids thrive and take them to hockey practice and get them dirty and take them fishing. Like, and there's moments that are just crippling. 
But I think, not I think, what I know is so important. It's like, what's the so now what? Will you stay crippled? Will you stay in the hurt? Or will you acknowledge it, radically accept it, and then know that you have a choice? And the choice is, what's your so now what? So rather than sitting in the pity party of, I mean, you've heard this from stage before of why me? Like that's often, I think, why so many people, especially some of your listeners are maybe stuck in their business, in their personal life, in a relationship. Why me? Why is this happening? Why can't I break this barrier? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you've got to stop asking why me and ask, so now what? And that's what I get really good at. It's like, oh, this is going wrong in your business. This is going wrong in your life. Your marriage is on, you know, derailing. Like, why is this happening? Why is he such a dick? Why doesn't he care? No, no, no. What's your so now what? Okay, what's my so now what? My so now what is I'm in control. I get a choice. So what am I choosing to do? I can't fix anyone else. I can just work on me. So I'm going to do these things. And I think if you can get really good at processing emotion, processing grief, processing the hurt, the anger, the frustration, and then flipping the script and saying, okay, I've processed it. I'm hurting. This sucks. It isn't fun. And it often can be both and, but then saying, okay, what's my so now what? My so now what is I'm just going to press into the two babies that I do have, even though I don't want to get up from this day lawn chair and push my son for the 900th time on the swing and I just want to soak up some sun I'm just gonna go do that because I get to do that so there's a lot to unpack there but there's a lot of goodness there yeah absolutely and like that it's in the big picture the so now what and in the little moments too as you just said right like you get you get the opportunity to make choice how many choices do we make a day there's like tens of thousands hundreds of thousands 60,000 thoughts a day and over 2 million bits of data that your brain sorts through a day. Like, think about that. And 60,000 thoughts, like some of them are great and some of them are crappy. So just hook on to the good ones and know that, of course, with 60,000 thoughts, not all of them will serve you. Yeah. Yeah. And this is just something that we are all navigating differently. And it's not to say that, like, you're not going to feel the feelings. That's part of the experience, right? And part of the experience is just figuring out how to handle them and shift them. Like, how do you, how did you feel going back to like really bad news? Obviously the worst possible news I can actually imagine (laughs) as a mother is that your child is not going to see their first birthday. Oh my God. And taking that in and then turning it around into, we're going to have a dance party every day in this hospital. Raise your hand if you're sick and tired of feeling like you have to rely on social media to grow your business. Just be more consistent. Use this trending audio. Make sure you're always selling in your stories. But you started your business to do the thing your business does, not to become a content creator. Plus, that pesky algorithm is always changing. The online space is getting more crowded and keeping up with platform updates is starting to become a part time job. Well, I am excited to tell you that you don't have to rely on social media for your visibility plan. And you can build an audience of ideal clients without making social media your primary marketing channel. Wanna learn how? Grab a free seat for my Burn Your Content Calendar Masterclass. I will walk you through three steps to a more simple visibility plan you can easily commit to and implement that builds an audience of ideal clients without relying on social media. I'm covering how to break through your imposter syndrome and feel more confident stepping into the spotlight for your business, even if the idea of promoting yourself currently makes your palms sweat. My secret weapon to building a brand as the go-to in your field, 
without burning yourself out on content creation and the visibility tour method that will make you stand out from your competition and double your leads in under 60 days. It's totally free and you'll also be granted access to two of my top trainings that will help you build your momentum and get more confident on camera. Head to ksco.ca forward slash masterclass to save your seat now. When I look back at it, I think it was really like for me shifting the perspective of like, if that was me in that bed. And I, I had this conversation with a friend. Her name's Brooke. Her little guy was having brain surgery the day that, um, after Lewiston passed. And we remain good friends and I absolutely adore her. And her her son is, you know, fighting his own battle. He's had like a quarter of his brain removed, like just insane, insane, learning how to walk again and all of these things. But we had this conversation and I said, my son who's lying in that bed doesn't need a crappy version of me. And that for me was like, if I was Lewiston, I wouldn't want useless, down, sad people. I think we we talk often about energy. I don't Mm -hmm. like being in a room full of people that are like, that's not possible. Can't do that. Like I was like, I just had this conversation with my kids. I'm like, we are a family that leans into what is possible. And so it was like, okay. Kids dying, no treatment. Cool. I'm not a doctor. I'm not super smart. Like now I'm like, man, I should have been a scientist. Of course, there's a cure. You can figure it out. Like just replace the gene that he's missing. He's missing a gene. How hard is it? Go find a gene from somebody and implant it in his body. Like I was like, can it be that hard? Science is way more difficult than that. And so I just leaned into like, okay, what is possible? And what was possible was for me to shift my energy of not just being like, woe is me. And I think when you start to observe your environment, when you start to observe your own energy and how it impacts others, like, hi, I'm a mom. And when I lose my ever loving mind and my marbles and I'm short, my kids become, you know, short and agitated and irritated and they lose their minds quicker. When I'm, I can bend down and slow things down and, you know, whoa, 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 hey, let's talk about this. They are better versions of themselves. And so I just knew I wanted the energy, the environment what he did have around him to be the best. And so that really shifted. And so, yeah, if you got bad energy, I will not spend time with you. I will be like, see ya, I'm out, like next. So I think just aware of those like really small, simple choices in your everyday life can make a huge difference. Yeah, oh, totally. I actually have a tattoo on my wrist in my mom's printing that says own it, which means exactly that. That was when I realized too that the only thing that I can control is my own attitude and my yeah. own looking at things. Huge, right? So like they're like in, in applying this into business, right? There's no point in being like, well, somebody else said that I couldn't do it or, you know, other people think this or that. It's like, well, what do you think and what do you want and how do you want to live your life? And it is going to be unique and different for every individual and And it is also going to be challenging to step into that. And the biggest thing that I know to be true is that if you have an idea in your business, if there's something that you're going after, if you have insatiable, relentless belief, it is possible. And insatiable and relentless belief mean like, man, I have this idea. Okay, I'm going to write my second book. I'm going to go do this. This is something I'm working on in my business. And I've been, you know, not taking action on it because I'm like, oh, is it really possible? Oh, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? But when I show up with things with this insatiable, relentless belief that it is possible, that gives your brain the evidence and there's scientific evidence of how this works 
that because you can see the evidence, your brain is like, oh, right, it is possible. It looks for that. And then you start to take that small, consistent action. I think what often happens is we want it now. We want the Amazon Prime. We want Prime Days where it's like deliver the next day. It was so funny. My girlfriend orders... I, I, you know, I'm posting, I, you can call me influencer says, but I'm posting things, you know, I'm an Amazon affiliate. So it's prime days. You're like, I'm going to make some money by posting links. And I posted this lip gloss that I absolutely swear by. And it's like my favorite thing. And my girlfriend adds it to cart. But by the time, because it was one of the most popular items on Amazon that day, it was like, oh, it's not shipping till September. And my girlfriend's like, after she pressed the order, she's like, oh my gosh, it's not shipping to September. Like I'm not waiting that long. Because we want a prime. And when I ordered mine, I got it literally, I'm not joking, 16 hours later. Like I was like, was Amazon waiting in the bushes? Like what <laughs> happened? And because she couldn't get it within the 24-hour window, she canceled the order. I ordered a second batch the, after she ordered hers. And my um, lip gloss that wasn't supposed to come until September showed up last week in August. But I think it's so easy to be like, mm, pulling out, not going to do it, not staying committed. Because it's like, if it doesn't happen in the time frame that you originally think it's going to happen, you're like, no, it's too hard. No, I have to wait too long. And that's why people get thrown off in business. It's like, oh, well, I want to happen now. And then it's like, well, it didn't happen now, so it's not meant to be. Or, oh, it's not happening now. Like, I'm. what's the point? Or like, I've hit another roadblock. You know what I mean? Or like, oh, this is delayed. And you will see those who are successful in business are the ones that will not quit, that do not stop and show up with insatiable, relentless belief. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, amen to that for sure. I absolutely believe it. Like, and it's like, it's a statement of fact. If I don't quit, I won't fail. If the only way, right? The only way to fail is to quit. In my I love that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So what are some of the, the tools and like mindset steps that you suggest and or like to help people through like going through navigating these challenges and and like let's like zoom out for a second and say that everything that you're going through is challenging like and we're not here to compare somebody's heart is different than your heart everything is hard right and it's hard to run a business and be a mom and it's hard to deal with health issues and grieving and all of it is hard so what are some of your tips around that well, let's first of all recognize if you are a woman in business, kudos, that in itself is hard. Then if you want to add into the mix, like you're, you have a partner, then you want to add into the mix kids. And then you're also trying to take care of yourself and be the best version of yourself. It's next level. Like I love the memes that come out where it's like, oh, it's fine. I'm just trying to eat the kale salad, work out, have the kids, you know, eat organic foods, make sure the closets are perfectly organized and be out the door by 9am. Like, like what we're doing is wild and crazy. And I'm a very intenseful person. And I've got to remind myself, slow down, pump the brakes, give yourself some grace. So recognizing it's hard for me, that's just like this, like, okay, radical acceptance. Like what I'm trying to do is probably not like the typical path. Like a lot of people are like, so you do what? You do when? How do you, what? And so it doesn't make sense to other people. So I've radically accepted that. I'm not in a very traditional, you know, stay-at-home mom, do what you do. And I love that we're redefining what it looks like, you know, for women in business, for families, for how, you know, partners are coming together and, and doing all of that. So a few things that I focus on, one is being the best version of myself. And that means like mentally and physically. And I know that if I take really good care of myself, I'm bringing the best version to be able to take care of my children, my husband, my business, my clients. And so I'd say if you're doing anything, it is take care of yourself. 
saying things like, I don't have time to work out, I can't eat healthy, and not prioritizing your mental and physical well-being is the dumbest thing that you can do. Like, that has to be at the top of your list. Uh, I recently lost 30 pounds. Some of that was supported through medicated weight loss. So just so there's no, like, how did you do it? There was medication involved for a portion of it. But I've also gotten onto a really good, very healthy regime that two days a week, I go to this really cool spot here in Calgary called Eon. And I'm in different technologies, red light therapy, infrared sauna. But if that's not the case for you, like, are you getting outside and walking? Are you doing a workout? Are you lifting weights? Like, how are you utilizing your body? Like there's free workouts. You can figure out anything. Get a cold plunge. We got a cold plunge. We do that in the backyard. But I prioritize my health. And the second part of that for me is the mental health is journaling and having a coach and a therapist. I always say a therapist is to help you deal with your past. Having a coach is to help you deal with your future. And for me, I uh, she's now become one of my close friends. We're actually related, but Heather Borsma was a really good friend of mine slash we're like distantly related third cousins or something. She was my very first coach and she changed my world in terms of learning how to process thoughts and how those thoughts affect me. And so from her coaching and from all the work, I grew up coaching cheerleading and being a leader in school and all that. I realized how much I love bringing out the best in people and helping them discover their belief. And I think if you watch Ted Lasso, you'll see that. Ted mm-hmm. Lasso is not the best, you know, football player, soccer player. He was the best at helping people believe in themselves. And I think like when you have people in your world, whether it's a coach, whether it's a community of women, whether it's your partner, but when you have people that are bringing out the best in you and cheering you on and picking you up when you fall down, that is the difference for will you succeed or will you fail? Will you keep going or will you quit? And I think that's what happens in business is people get tired, they get burnt out and they don't have the tools and they're scared to ask for help and admit that they're a bit of a mess because it's vulnerable and it's scary and you don't know what people are going to think. But if you can do those things, take care of yourself both physically and mentally, I think that's the very first thing in getting that forward momentum if you've been stuck for a while. Yeah. And one thing that you sort of alluded to there too, like the power of community and having people around you who are going through similar things, because like, I think even for me in, I've been in my business now for seven years, actually today, it's my anniversary. Totally forgot. Yeah. So seven years. And, and part of that is like, acknowledging that this is actually, like you said, you radically accepted that this is not a normal path, like quote normal. Right. And somehow, you know, I think a lot of the times entrepreneurs were really ambitious and we just feel like we can tackle everything, at least when we're like super excited about things. And at the beginning, and then you don't realize that you're actually like climbing the biggest mountain that there actually is <laughs> and not just taking a different path and and not to like try and compare yourself to other people, but like start there. I know that that you're you're already doing something really challenging. So who around you understands that like in their blood and <laughs> understands it in their soul and has gone through some of the things that you're, you know, even if you have a super supportive partner, they probably don't get it. Totally. Like I surround myself with women and I love using Meg's Go Simplified. Her name's Megan Go Lightly. She's the first one in a room to put my name forward when it comes to speaking. 
And she got offered an opportunity to speak at this big women's conference, you know, full fair, not just like, mm, like, we hope we can you do this for free? Like, you know, just I'm like, we're women in business. Let's all help each other make money so we can all be successful. Stop doing shit for free. And she's the woman in a room that will mention my name first. And she's done it time and time and time again. And I'm just blown away by that. And I'm like, imagine if more women did that. Like, Mm -hmm. and we would be competitors necessarily or considered, you know, similar. So like, and she's like, oh my gosh, you don't just name me. You need my friend, Jess. She did this and this and this. I was like, imagine if more women did that for each other. And she doesn't live in a scarcity mindset. We will talk about an abundant mindset. Like, oh my gosh, 8 billion people on the planet, a bajillion companies. Like there's room for all of us. You're not the only podcast. Like you're not going to be the only business coach. There's a lot of us. And I always say, I might not be the right coach for you. So if I'm not, let me recommend three others or go do the work because I can't service 8 billion people. And that has been such a powerful piece is finding women who will be the very first to shout your name, put you forward, recommend you. And when you start to find that type of community, that's when you're like chugga, 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 chugga. And when you're down, they'll pull you up. And when they're down, you'll have the strength to pull them up. Oh, so good. Oh my gosh. Thank you for all of this, Jessica. I want to uh, give you an opportunity to just do a little plug for the Love for Lewiston Foundation. Let yeah. us know about how people can get involved, what you guys do, where people can go and find you online and donate and all the good things. Totally. So if you're interested in the work that we do or want to check out how we support and the kind of what how we've been able to shift healthcare and some really exciting things, you can check out loveforlewiston.ca. Love is way spelled love for F-O-R Lewiston. If you Google it, it's usually the first thing to come up, which is amazing. And if you feel moved or even nudged, I wrote that book, Bring the Joy, and it talks about following the nudges of your heart. If you feel nudged from this podcast or found this helpful, making a donation to Love for Lewis, even if it's 20 bucks, 25 bucks, it makes such a difference. And then that enables us to continue to honor Lewiston and keep his legacy alive and have great impact. And then if anyone wants to connect with me, all of my information, I'm sure you'll put in the show notes, but it's also just find me on social media. Instagram is kind of my, my favor, my favorite one to be on the flavor that I like the most and easiest for me to be on. I'm like, am I on threads? Am I on Twitter? Like I cannot keep up. There's TikTok. Like there's a lot out there, but Instagram's where I mainly live. So you can send me a DM or find my email address on there. And I'm I'm always happy to connect with great women that are wanting to do big and beautiful things. Amazing. Thank you so much. You did it. You just listened to another episode of the Entrepreneur School podcast. It's like you just went to business school while you folded your laundry, prepped dinner, or picked up your kids at school. Thank you so much for being here. I want to personally celebrate your commitment to growing your business. You can imagine I'm throwing confetti for you right now. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review. Make sure you're subscribed and let us know you're listening by screenshotting this episode and tagging us on Instagram. Head to entrepreneurschool.ca for tons of tools and resources to help you grow your business while keeping your family a priority. You can subscribe to our email list and join our community. And until next time, go out there and do the thing.